You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, in just a moment, we're going to open God's Word and preach this morning from Exodus 33. But before we do, I want to connect you with our January themes. We've been talking about God is number one in our lives. That's the very first core value of Gospelite Baptist Church. And last week, Pastor Jeremy Horton brought a fantastic message on the Lordship of Christ and and bringing us into a, a greater understanding of the importance of God being number one, not just our Savior, but our Lord. This morning and next week, for the next two weeks, I'd like to preach on the next level statement. The next level statement for the month of January that goes with our theme is this. Seeking the presence of God at the next level. Now, I want to ask you a question as we get started this morning, and I want this question to somewhat sink in as we begin to develop this thought. And the question is this. Do you find it difficult sometimes to conceive of God as being with you? Now, just to lighten the atmosphere. I'm going to raise my hand and be the first one so everybody knows even the senior pastor at times has trouble conceiving the fact that God is with me. Do you think of God as someone in heaven peering through the clouds and kind of orchestrating things on earth like someone would play a checker game or a chess game? Pastoring a church for 34 years, one of the things and conclusions that I've come to is that many people conceive of God just like that. Someone has said often to me, Pastor, it just feels like when I pray, my prayers don't go past the ceiling. We need to be reminded this morning that God lives under the ceiling. They don't have to go past the ceiling. His presence... I want to talk to you about seeking the presence of God at the next level. My prayer is the reason why January is the month that we chose this subject is because God being number one in our lives and seeking his presence will build a foundation for the rest of the year. This could be an incredible next level year for all of us on many different levels. And I don't know of any other subject that I could talk about that could be more helpful to you in the Christian life than to you to wrap your heart and mind around this basic biblical truth of the Christian life. And so with that said, would you join me in Exodus chapter number 33? We'll be in Exodus 32, so right around that neighborhood, Genesis and then Exodus. And I want to begin this morning, and you'll notice in your notes it's already there. I want to give you a promise today from Scripture that I believe is one of the most precious promises in the Word of God. This is the, pres- is, the, is the promise of God's presence. Notice with me on the screen, our theme verse this morning is, My presence, God said, will go with you, and I will give you rest. What a promise! What a promise! We all have problems this morning. I know that because I have problems, and I know that you you deal with things. I deal with things. There are many times in our lives where we are faced with some kind of overwhelming issue that that, that we struggle with. But I want to say this this morning, that there is no problem 
There is no problem that exists that the conscious presence of God could not control. So let's begin by understanding the background of the text. It's always good to have a little context of where we're at in Scripture. So here is what has happened. Are you ready? Quickly. God has brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt into the land of Canaan with his mighty power. And by his outstretched hand, he has accomplished this. God has led them. Are you with me? God has preserved them. God has protected them. There has been miracle. In fact, if you are in the beginning of your Bible reading, you may already have been in this place. If you've read Genesis and maybe you're getting close to Exodus or you're already there and you've read some of this recently in the beginning of this year. Miracle upon miracle, God is giving them a great and a mighty victory as they were going into the promised land. God had met their every need. It was amazing. And yet, In spite of all that, sadly, the children of Israel had turned aside to idolatry. They had made a golden calf. They were dancing around that golden calf. Excuse me, I'm blushing a little bit as I say this, but but they were naked. It's awful. Moses comes down from Mount Sinai and, and he finds the people in this condition and worshiping this golden calf. And, and Moses is, is so grieved. Moses is so angry. Moses is so brokenhearted. He, he actually drops the table of stone that the Ten Commandments were written on and it breaks And Moses takes that golden calf and he burns it and he grinds it to powder and he mixes it with water and he makes them drink it. The party is over, and Moses is heartbroken, and God begins to move to judge the people. But Moses intercedes for the people in Exodus chapter number 32. In verse 30, it says, the next day Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin, and now I'm going to go up to the Lord, and perhaps I can make an atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord, and he said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, but now, Lord, if you would forgive their sin, but if not, Blot my name out of the book that you have written. So God speaks back to Moses. And I want you to see the context in which the Lord spoke to Moses here in Exodus chapter 33, beginning in verse 1. Notice that it says here, the Lord then said to Moses, depart, go up from here. You and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I said to your offspring, I will give it. Now watch verse 2. Watch closely verse 2. God then says, I will send an angel before you. And I'll do this to drive out the Canaanites. God says, okay, Moses, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send an angel. And Moses says, I I don't want an angel. Not interested in that, God. I want, I want you. Notice verse 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. 
And when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So Moses said to the Lord, he says, see you to me, or rather, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, here is Moses' plea. Pay attention. Listen to it in verse number 13. Now, therefore... I have found favor in your sight. If I have, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And God said, and here's the promise, my my presence, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then Moses says, if your presence will not go with me, then then don't even bring us up from here. In other words, don't don't send an angel escort. You must go with us, God. For how shall it be known, verse 16, that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, and I your and your people from every other people on the face of the earth? What would make the children of Israel different? Not a victory. Not not a land that flows with milk and honey. Contextually for us, not a large church. Not a great worship team. Not an amazing campus. not, not, Not anything other than this. Listen, it is the manifest presence of God. That's what makes the difference. And this is the difference today. This is what makes us distinct from all other people. It is the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God, the Old Testament counterpart to the filling of the Holy Spirit. But we are here to learn a lesson this morning, and that is this. How can we go next level with this? I said earlier, it's a basic truth, and yet it's one that we seem to overlook. It's one that we seem to miss. And so to go next level in seeking the presence of God, there is a lesson we need to learn. So let's begin with this. God says to Israel, I'll give you the promised land. I'll give it to you. You can have it. I'll give you a land that flows with milk and honey. I'll give you the victory over the Canaanites. I'll do all of that. Okay, I'll do that. I'll give you an angel escort to accomplish all of it. Okay, you got it. There you go. I I just did all that for you. But right here we learn something. And that is this, that you can have success without the presence of God. You can have provision. You can have protection. You can have leadership. And fail miserably. And yet call it, quote, unquote, success with God. I'm speaking to someone this morning whose business is doing great. Your your kids are doing great. You've, You've got money in the bank. You're healthy. God is blessing. That may not be so. You may have everything that your heart desires except him, the one who you should desire the most. Moses said, I don't want I don't want the milk. I don't want the honey. I don't want the hills. I don't want the land. I don't want any of it without you. I don't want the gift without the giver. You can have all of these things and miss the thing you need the most. 
Don't ever mistake God's provision for God's presence. This is next level. This is what we need to learn. This is what we need to understand. George McDonald said this, in whatever a man does without God, he will fail miserably or succeed even more miserably. Think about it. Can I, can I, can I quote that again for you? Whatever a man does without God, he will either fail miserably or even succeed more miserably. Moses said, I want your presence. Even the unsaved have God's provision. Matthew 5 and chapter uh, chapter 5 verse 45 says that he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. He said it rains upon the just and upon the unjust. You can have the blessing without the blesser. Look again at Genesis chapter 33 verse 15. He says to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not, God, is it not, if I'm not mistaken, is it not that the people will know there's a difference between us and them? Is it not that that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Because of your presence. What was the sign of God's presence with them? We're familiar with this because there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by what? Night. We call it the Shekinah glory of God. Again, the Old Testament counterpart of the New Testament filling of the Holy Spirit. So in verse number 16, when it very clearly says, how are we distinct? What would make the difference? Not an angel escort. Hey, listen, I I love all the books written about angels, and I love the idea that, you know, God always has an angel with me. I've got my guardian angel. It's not about the angel, church. Not a land flowing with milk and honey. It's about the very presence of God. This is next level. It is understanding that God's presence is with us. Not just when we come together and experience it corporately. But every moment of every day, in every season, in every way, in my pain, in my suffering, he's always there. He never leaves us. It is the glory of God that separates every other believer in this room. Because not every believer has the glory of God upon them. They can. They can, but not all have it. Many are saved and have it bound, but do you have this Shekinah glory of God, a next level, irresistible hunger for the presence of God? We all need it. And so I want to begin this morning in your notes, and the message moves rather quickly with the notes. I want to begin with giving you four reasons for the presence of God, because we experience problems. We already acknowledge that. I didn't have you raise your hands because I already knew the answer. Here are four problems that require the presence of God because we all have problems. Let's establish that. First of all, number one, in times of disappointment, we need the conscious presence of God. Because disappointments may be God's appointments. 
in, in my suffering, in my pain, in every season, in every way. That, that disappointment may be an appointment from God. Moses was so disappointment, disappointed when he came down off Mount Sinai. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how disappointed he must have been? In fact, the Scripture says he, he drops these tablets that God had written the Ten Commandments on. He, God, Moses had such great plans for this victory. Moses had such great plans as they were coming into this land that flowed with milk and honey. But now it's all turned to ashes and all the dreams that Moses had had turned to dust. Some of you in this building this morning, in the balcony, online, you may be disappointed. Maybe a son or a daughter has walked away from God. You raised them in church and and you even prayed for them and, and yet they have strayed away. And your dreams have turned to tears. Maybe some thought they had many years to live. I'm healthy as a horse. And recently you had, have been given some news that that may not be the case. Many have invested everything in a business. You poured your life into it, only to see it fail. Some have been disappointed by friends. The psalmist said in Psalm 41, verse 9, that even my close friend in whom I trusted, we ate bread together. We went on vacation together. And look what he's done to me. I'm disappointed. Life is full of disappointments. And what Moses needed was not an angel. He needed the presence of God. Number two, in times of discouragement, we need the conscious presence of God. Can you imagine what Moses was thinking? How am I going to deal with this? I mean, this is, this is incredible. This is so awful. This is so difficult. Everything looks so bleak for Moses. He had to try to lead the people in the land, to the land of Canaan. He had to try to defeat all the Canaanites. And look what kind of mess he's got to try to do that with. Lord, I can't do this without you. You may have a great task in front of you that seems impossible. I mean, just that's how you feel right now, just like Moses felt. I don't know how in the world I'm going to do this. Maybe you've got some kind of promised land that you've got to conquer, and it's filled with giants, and you have no clue how this is all going to work out. You need the presence of God. Thirdly, in times of desertion, we need the conscious presence of God. Can you imagine how alone Moses must have felt? I mean, coming down off that mount, and guess who was leading the whole debauchery? His brother Aaron. Can you believe it? It's like, are you kidding me? We're, we're, we got a golden calf here. We're all dancing around it naked, and, and my, my sidekick, my associate pastor, Aaron, is leading this. He must have felt so alone. I would imagine this morning in a size, a crowd this size, that some of you feel all alone. Maybe in your old age, you just feel alone. Maybe in your singleness, you just feel alone. Maybe sitting in a crowd this size, you still feel like you're all by yourself. 
one of the great awakenings that my wife and I have had recently is to start this lighthouse in our home for the first time, sad to say, in 30 years. My bad. But in 30 years, we start an adult single class with people who have been divorced, widows, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and even 60s, who have 18 so far, who have found their way in two weeks to 621 Third Street. And you know what? They all walk in by themselves. Because that's how they live. They go home by themselves. I love seeing Megan sitting next to Carol Ann. About three weeks ago, Carol Ann and Jillian were having lunch at a foo-foo lunch place, not San Francisco. And, uh, and they were talking about Jesus. And Megan came up to them and said, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just think it's kind of cool that you're talking about Jesus. I love Jesus. And Carolyn invited her to the singles class, and she came. And she's here. I hope you don't feel as alone as you may have two weeks ago. Good. See, everybody needs somebody this morning. But can I tell you, more than you need Carol Ann, Megan, more than you need Carol Ann, my class, you need the presence of God to go with you. Oh, listen to me this morning. In your desertion, you need the presence of God. Number four, in times of desperation, we need the conscious presence of God. No doubt Moses did not know where to turn. This was a desperate situation. I pastor a church where I'm I'm involved in desperate situations. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to handle it. I'm I'm a novice sometimes when it comes to those over-the-top situations where all I can say is just this. I'm, I'm here, but I want you to know when I leave, he will still be there in your time of desperation. These are problems that require his presence. Now, problems that bring his presence, but I want you to look again at the promise, one of the sweetest promises in all of the Scripture. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Now, I want to talk to you about four characteristics of his promise from the text. Number one, notice it says, first of all, it was his personal presence. Look at it like this. Look at it on the screen. Just look at that for a second. You say, where's the rest of the verse? Don't worry about it. The first thing we want to recognize is this was personal. This was God himself. This was not an angel. Just for a moment, forget your angel, even if you've given him a name. Even if that's kind of how you, that's kind of how you associate how God deals with you, peering through the clouds. Hey, angel, get over there and help them out. I'm busy with other people. That's not how it works. Actually, the Hebrew language, time out, I know very little about the Hebrew language, just in case you were wondering. But I do know this. It literally means, I, myself. God says, I, myself. He emphasizes it's the very personal presence of God. It's much like that old song we used to sing. And he walks with me, and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever 
No. His personal presence. Secondly, notice it's his intimate presence. Look, if you would, please, with me at verse 11 in Exodus 33. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses. I love this. Face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Has anybody ever had someone turn their face from you? If you're married, you have. (laughs) I've married 34 years. There's a few times I've gone in for some sweets and got nothing. Just to be honest, been a few times I've gone and I've, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love this passage because he's talking here about the intimacy of the Lord's presence. Face to face, as a man speaks to a friend. His personal presence, his intimate presence. Thirdly, his radiant presence. When, when, when Jesus looks upon your face, I want you to know he's smiling upon you. His radiant presence will, will come upon you to where your face will shine as the countenance of a friend. We're going to sing as we dismiss this morning from the great benediction that Moses wrote in Numbers chapter 6 verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God's face is shining. This speaks of the glorious smile of God upon your life. I love that old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And when you do, the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The face of God. The face of God. Face to face. God himself, not an angel. This morning I was taking a moment. I I try to, on Sunday mornings, it's interesting, there's a lot of prayer requests. I'm not a a Facebook junkie at all, but I, I do on Sundays enjoy just he- hearing a few people about church and where you're going to church and pray for me and pray for us. And this morning I came across this on Facebook. Psalm 27, 7 and 8, Tony Liuzzo. I've tried to keep this before you about every six months. Logan, his son, has had cancer for the past 18 months and he's been in and out of cancer hospitals and chemotherapy of all kinds and all sorts. He's got a massive tumor connected to his heart. Shrank 11% after about five chemo treatment, chemotherapy treatments his last round. He's got some tests coming up. They just had two more rounds. He's hoping it'll shrink even more. It's really desperate. I read this morning where he put his, he said, pray for Logan. And he put Psalm 27, 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou said seek my face. I saw that, I looked in my notes, and I saw this verse that I had in my sermon. Put it on the screen again. Hear, O Lord, hear my cry. Be gracious to me, God, answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. This is next level, seeking the presence of God. Tony Liuzzo, on behalf of his son Logan, says, would you seek the face of God for my son? 
We don't need an angel escort right now. We don't need chemotherapy. We, we don't need the doctors. We need God. Moses is saying here, God, I want to see you face to face. Friend to friend. I'm convinced the problem is often we are seeking the hand of God and not the face of God. What we're more concerned about is what God can do for us. Deliver us, God, from crime. Deliver us from war. Have you heard about inflation? What we need is God to deliver us from inflation. My money's getting tight. I'm a little concerned about my bank. God, you got to come through. Do it, God. But God says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Seek my face. Seek my face. Seek my face. Too many are seeking God's hand. God, do something. What we need is to seek God's face. This is next level. This is seeking the presence of God at the next level. It was his approving presence, finally. Verse 14, just real quickly, where it says, my presence will go with thee, and I will give you rest. God says, hey, I, I approve you. I, I want you to rest in me. This is not idleness. This is not rest from work. This is rest in the work, in my suffering, in my pain. In that, God says, I'm with you, and I will give you rest. Now, when God's presence is in your life, let me give you four beautiful promises. Are you ready? First of all, when you are discouraged, His presence will see you through. Amen? Think about this. Oh, listen, this is exciting. It's, it's hard for me to say this without a little zip in my step, a little, a little oomph in my, I wish I was a, I wish I had a little African-American in me right now. I'd say this, in times of discouragement, his presence will see you through. Amen. Ain't nobody can preach like them, I guarantee you. I wish I had more of it in me. I like hanging around my preacher brothers in town that preach with such unction. Emotionally, I, I try. Because I, I can't help but I mean, you can't read that with a dull outlook. He will see you through. Moses was discouraged. Moses was perplexed. But God's presence saw him through it all. I've been to so many funerals. Oh, 30 years. I've been to so many hospitals. I've been to so many counseling sessions. Yesterday, two hours with somebody in absolute sheer Discouragement and desperation. You have no idea how many people are hurting in a church this size. So much heartache, sickness, marriage difficulties, divorce. So many people hurting so badly. All these people have one thing in common. They need the presence of God more than they need a pastor's voice, more than they need someone to come alongside. They need all that, but more than that, they need the presence of God, the smile of God on their lives to encourage them in their discouragement. He'll see you through. I love Psalm 116, verse 6. The Lord preserves the simple. 
The psalmist says, when I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. Sound familiar? That's what God said to Moses. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. In times of discouragement, his presence will see you through. In times of loneliness, his presence will cheer you up. In times of loneliness, his presence, it'll cheer you up. Everybody gets lonely. Even the pastor gets lonely from time to time. Can I tell you, sometimes the most lonely place in the world is when you're, you're leading a lot of people. I mean, there, there are times when you just feel all alone. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody in this building has experienced what I'm speaking about this morning, loneliness. Listen to Psalm 139. Here's what God says over you today. The psalmist realizes, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they're more than the sand. I wake up and and, and you're still with me. I go to sleep, you're there. I wake up, you're there. I can't count my my many blessings. I can't name them one by one. They're, 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 They're too many. The number of these blessings are like the sand of the sea. This is our God. This is how often it is overwhelming for me to think of the fact that God loves me. God knows me. God knows my name. God cares about everything I do. God is with me. This is the conscious presence of God. It's next level. Can't even fathom how much God loves me. Are you lonely today? Maybe you've been through a divorce. Maybe you've been through some sort of desertion where you're just alone. Maybe you feel old and forgotten. Maybe somebody here is lonely because of your success. Somebody's jealous of you. Somebody's pulled away, pulled back. They just... Remember Hebrews 13, 5. Our Lord says, I will never leave you or forsake you in every season. In every way. When you're worried, God's presence will calm you down. Hey, listen. Are you, feeling a, are you facing a problem right now? Moses was facing a problem. Are you facing one? Are you facing a big problem? Moses was facing a big problem. I mean, I, I put in the category big problem. I'm meeting with God. I'm getting the Ten Commandments. I come down, and there's, everybody's naked. That's a problem. Got a problem. That's big. I've never faced that yet. Please, keep your clothes on. This is huge. Are you facing a big problem? Moses was facing a big problem. Do you have some enemies? You have financial enemies, physical enemies, health enemies. I love this story. It's one of my favorites. It's a story about David Livingston. I had to read a book when I was in getting my master's degree on David Livingston's missionary journeys. And He's just amazing. He, he was a missionary to the jungles of Africa. And there was this particular day that he was in a tent all alone on top of that. When you're lonely, his presence will calm you down. He's all alone. He can hear the war drums beating as he's in this tent. And 
We would not know this had not he written a diary and left it behind for us to have as a testimony. So this word comes to us as the natives were waiting to kill David Livingston. January 14, 1856, felt much turmoil of spirit in prospect of having all my plans for the welfare of this great region and the teeming population knocked on the head by savages tomorrow. Almost as if David Livingston was saying, I've got all these plans in my head, but I'm fixing to get knocked in the head by savages tomorrow, and all of my plans are going to be worthless. But I read that Jesus said, all power is given unto me, he writes in his diary, in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Listen to this. Listen to this. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Mr. Livingston goes on to write in his diary, it is the word of a gentleman, Jesus the great gentleman. It is the word of a gentleman of the most strict and sacred honor. So there's an end of it. I'll not cross furtively tonight as I intended. Should such a man as I flee? No, verily. I shall take observations for latitude and longitude tonight, though they may be the last. I feel quite calm now. Thank God. I know what you're thinking. You feel quite calm now too, but you don't have war drums beating outside your tent with natives ready to kill you. Are you with me? Whoa. I am with you always. Everything changed when he realized that the great gentleman Jesus said, I've got you. I'm with you. I'm quite calm now. All of my worry is gone because... His presence calms you down. When you are tempted, his presence will help you out. (laughs) Oh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 promises that no temptation has ever taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, and he'll not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, make a way, provide a way of escape. Wow. These are the promises of the presence of God. This is next level. And so let me leave you with something practical in closing. My prayer this morning is that each one of us would be given something that we can take home to begin to work on, to develop this next level presence of God in our lives. So here they are, ready? One, two, three, three things we need to do. Number one, we need to learn to practice the presence of God. Really? That's profound, Pastor. Man, that, so how many degrees do you have? (laughs) What do you mean practice? Like, like, like the ball team practices for the game? Yeah, just like that. You got it. You mean like, 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 a, like somebody practices before they, they perform? Yeah, just like that. Practice. Well, that seems kind of generic. That's silly, isn't it? Not at all. Practice the presence of God. Meaning this, that throughout the day, stop. Just throughout the day, just stop. Just randomly stop and just maybe in your car, pull over. Maybe in your office, close the door. Put the cell phone on silent. Let me say that again. Put the cell phone on silent. Third time's a charm. Put the cell phone on the charger. 
Jesus, the presence of God. When I was a kid, we used to sing this song. He is here, holy, holy. He is here, amen. He is here, holy, holy. I will bless your name again. He is here. Listen closely, hear him calling out your name. He is here, you can touch him. And if you do, you will never be the same. Practice. Stop. Meditate. Sometimes it'll bring you to tears. But that's what we need to do. Number two, we need to let prayer be a day-long conversation with God. Just 24-7. Or, or, or when we're awake. Just, just stop and talk to God randomly. Isn't that what 1 Thessalonians 5.17, the Apostle Paul says here? Pray without ceasing. I read here this week this, prayer is both ordinary and mysterious. It's as ordinary as answering a phone call. It's as mysterious as discovering that God himself is on the other end of the phone call. How cool is that? Prayer is rather ordinary. It's like picking up a phone, but it's rather mysterious. God, is that you? How powerful is that? When you pray. When you pray, you're talking to God. And he, he'll speak back to you in, in your heart. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. This is a conversation. And do not feel like it's disrespectful sometimes when you laugh with God, when you talk with God, when you share with him your deepest concerns or sometimes when it's kind of corny. You just say, God, what should I get at the McDonald's drive through Probably he'll say, nothing. <laughs> so don't ask that one. But, you know. <laughs> but just talk to him. You say, Pastor, you make this sound so easy. It really is. It's a conversation. You and I have them all the time. We have them on Sundays. We see each other. Hey, what's going on? Hey, 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 come here. Hey, good to see you. Thanks for coming. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it's a little more intense. But have a conversation with God. Pray without ceasing. And then finally, number three, we need to look into the face of God and simply spend time in praise and worship. This is huge. This is huge. I just got my Alexa turned back on. Anybody got an Alexa? I, I haven't had it in like five years, and our house flooded, and I found it. <laughs> I found it amidst the flood. And I said, Zoe, can you hook this back up to the Wi-Fi? Zoe hooks the Alexa back up to the Wi-Fi, and the first thing I did was, Alexa, play some worship music. She did. I don't think she saved, but she played worship music. I had a time. I was in my room with Glow all alone last night, and Alexa's providing me some beautiful music, and I'm slaying in the bed with Glow, putting her to sleep, and I'm singing beautiful worship songs, the same ones we sing in church. It's amazing. 
Sometimes I get overwhelmed as I'm praising him because God inhabits the praises of his people. God lives right there. God cannot resist your praise. Your praise is irresistible to God. And sometimes when you and I gather together in this building and the worship team begins to sing, we get caught up in worship. And and it's like God's presence was there before, but it comes in like a flood. It's like, what just happened? That was a tsunami. Whoa! The tears. The power of his presence. Because when you praise him, he inhabits that. He comes in like a flood. Could we practice that right now? Could we do that? Could we sink deep? into his love right now could we the first words to this song are standing here in your presence could we do could we could we just stand in the presence of God and if that ends up somebody at the altar if that ends up somebody with their hands if that ends up you sitting down if it just ends up you standing there and just practice his presence in praise if you're here this morning and you're saying I don't know what you're talking about, really. I don't know that I've ever really felt his presence this morning. What that may mean is you don't know him personally. You've maybe never put your faith in him to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never truly been saved and experienced his presence in your heart this morning. This would be the time to accept him. You've been brought to this place to hear the gospel and today is the day of salvation if you're like that I encourage you to come or talk to me after the service or talk to anyone you can find on the stage or in the building that might look as if they would know what to tell you we'll be here I'm not going anywhere anytime soon after the service so let's practice his presence father I love you I thank you for this opportunity to praise and worship your holy name father meet with us And God, as we sing, please accept our song. Please accept our song. Please accept our praise. And may it be a sweet-smelling aroma to you, Father. And though you're here, may your presence be so real that we can reach out and touch it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we stand?